Hello there. Today we are reviewing the category herbs that dispel wind dampness. As always, you can go to the website and download the slides to follow along. But let's go ahead and get started with herbs that dispel wind dampness. So maybe the first thing we should ask is, what does this mean to dispel wind dampness? Well, basically, these herbs are treating a condition called bee syndrome. Bee syndrome, sometimes translated as painful obstruction syndrome or impediment syndrome, uh, that's what these herbs are treating. So what is bee syndrome? Well, basically, the easy but not entirely correct way of describing this is bee syndrome is like arthritis. It's joint pain. It's caused by an external invasion of wind, cold, and dampness. This wind, cold, dampness gets into the muscles, gets into the channels, gets into the joints, and causes joint pain. And so we use herbs that dispel wind dampness to get rid of this joint pain. So that's what we're doing in this category, herbs that dispel wind dampness. So herbs that dispel wind dampness, and like we said, these are treating a condition of bee syndrome. So we really could just unofficially call this category herbs that treat bee syndrome. But the way we treat bee syndrome is by dispelling this wind dampness. So what is bee syndrome? So in Chinese, it's called bee zhang. Zhang just means disease or syndrome. So bee syndrome is often translated as impediment syndrome or painful obstruction syndrome. And we say that this is a condition, usually say joint pain, and we often describe it as being similar to arthritis, either osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis. And so it's just painful, maybe swollen joints. But when we say bee syndrome, we can also include things like low back pain, sciatica. We can actually also include things like uh, numbness and tingling or weakness or even spasm and contraction due to a wind cold damp pathogen. So, but basically we're talking about joint pain. So this uh, bee syndrome is caused by an external invasion of wind, cold, and dampness. So this wind cold damp pathogen invades the body from the outside, it gets into the skin, muscles, channels, and impedes or obstructs the flow of qi through the channels, causing pain. That's why we say painful obstruction or impediment syndrome for B syndrome. Now, this is not entirely correct, though. When I say, oh, it impedes or obstructs, that's why we call it impediment. That's just something I kind of made up. Really, when we look at the Chinese character um, for B, on the one side, there was the disease radical, but in the middle, originally, that was a pictograph of a person helping a crippled person walk. And so that's kind of what we mean by originally by B syndrome is a person that they, their back was bad, their knees were bad, and they couldn't walk. They needed someone to help them walk. And so Weissman says impediment because impede comes from a Latin unable to walk. So originally when we said B syndrome, we just meant unable to walk. However, it turns out we do use the word B in other con uh, contexts where it just means blockage. So we can talk about throat B, blockage of the throat. We can talk about chest B, stagnation or blockage or impediment in the chest. And so we can use that word to B to mean blockage or obstruction. So I think it's fair to say that when we say painful obstruction syndrome, we're talking about wind, cold, dampness, impeding or obstructing 
the normal flow of qi through the channels, causing pain. So that is B syndrome. And so it turns out that if we just look this up in Nigel Weissman's Practical Dictionary of Chinese Medicine, he says B Zhang, B syndrome, is a disease characterized by pain, aching, heaviness, numbness, and inhibited bending and stretching of the joints, and in severe cases, enlargement and deformity of the joints. So think about when people have rheumatoid arthritis, when it gets to an advanced stage, uh, the joints become enlarged and uh, they might be bent in weird positions, making their joints unusable. So that's a, in severe cases, we can even say enlargement or deformity of the joints. Impediment patterns arise when wind, cold, and dampness combine and invade the body to lodge in the channels, flesh, sinews, and joints, obstructing the qi and blood of the channels. So as much as a lot of people like to make fun of Nigel Weissman and Weissman terminology, I really like this because he just said in two sentences what I took 10 minutes to explain about what is B syndrome. So this is what we're trying to treat. This is a condition or disease with a Chinese name that we're treating with this category of herbs, herbs that dispel wind dampness. So at this point, I want to point out two different things. Number one, when we say B syndrome, it's very easy for people to say, oh, B syndrome, that's just arthritis or that's just joint pain. But we should pay attention to what, what Nigel Weissman just said is we're not just talking about osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis or joint pain. This can include other conditions, things like spasm and contraction, or we can say hypertonicity of the muscles causing inhibited bending and stretching. So spasm and contraction, you can't move your joints very well because, because of that spasm. Think about things like frozen shoulder could also be included here. A really common one is low back pain, just you're old and your back hurts. We might not say this is a Western diagnosis of arthritis, but still in, in TCM, we could call this B syndrome, this chronic low back pain in elderly patients. We can also, he said things about numbness and tingling. So we can also think about like post-stroke conditions where there's wind, cold, damp blocking the channel. So we have some skin numbness or, or even some uh, weakness that there's uh, weakness or atrophy because there's a blockage in the channel. So those are things we can talk about in terms of B syndrome as well. The other thing I like to point out here is when we talk about B syndrome and joint pain, this is different from pain due to injury and trauma. So if I was out going for a run and I sprained my ankle and now the joint is red, swollen, and painful, we wouldn't necessarily call that B syndrome. We would probably put this in the category of chi and blood stagnation due to injury and trauma. So this is a little bit different. And to some extent, there is some overlap that sometimes, especially when we talk about unblocking the channels, it may be the case that we would combine herbs that treat B syndrome with herbs that invigorate blood. But generally, when we're talking about in, uh, acute injury and trauma, we're talking more about chi and blood stagnation. B syndrome, think about maybe the person who has an achy knee and they can tell when it's going to rain because their knee flares up. That's a sign that there's some wind, cold, and dampness. This chi of the environment is invading the body and affecting the joints. So people that basically their pain gets worse with the weather. 
And again, there can be some overlap with injury and trauma. For example, I had one friend that uh, she broke her toe doing yoga, which I kind of make fun of her about. It turns out I know a lot of people who have injured themselves trying to do a handstand. But she broke her toe. Um, and so in the acute phase, I would say, oh, this is injury trauma. We would uh, move chi and blood. But it turns out years later, everything healed, everything is fine. But years later, in the winter, when it starts to get cold, she can still feel some pain in that toe where it broke. And so at that point, I would say, oh, this is B syndrome. That, that previous injury made her susceptible to invasion of wind, cold, dampness. So at that point, we would treat it as B syndrome. But I just like to make that distinction. It's not like B syndrome is only arthritis, and it's not like all joint pain falls under the category of B syndrome. Here we're specifically talking about pain, contraction, numbness due to an invasion of external wind, cold, dampness. And so that's why we use this category of herbs, herbs that dispel wind, cold, dampness. So it turns out we have a couple different types of B syndrome. Like we said, this B syndrome is caused by an invasion of wind, cold, dampness. But the B syndrome is going to look different depending on which pathogen is predominant. So if we have wind, cold, dampness, but the wind is predominant, then we're going to have wandering pain or pain that moves from place to place. Sometimes a patient comes in and says, oh, my shoulder hurts. And then they come in later like, oh, my hip hurts. And they come in like, oh, my knee hurts. Now my shoulder hurts. Now my hip. It moves around. Uh, this is the nature of wind. Wind blows and causes things to move around. So we get that pain that moves from place to place. And we call this Xing bi. Xing means uh, moving or walking. So moving bi or walking bi. This is the same Xing when we talk about the five phases, Wu Xing. So Xing means to move. So this is pain that moves or wanders from place to place due to wind blowing it around. If cold predominates, we have a wind, cold, damp pathogen, but the cold is predominant, we're going to have intense pain and cold joints. So this pain is going to be worse with the cold, but better with warmth. So when it comes to be winter time and the weather gets cold, they say, oh, my, my achy joints are acting up. I put a heating pad on it to make it feel better. So this is something when we're going through our uh, history of presenting illness, we always like to ask, what makes it better and what makes it worse. So if the patient says, oh, I have this, these achy joints, it's worse when the weather is cold, it gets better when I put a heating pad on it, and say, oh, this might be a cold pathogen that's predominating. And this is called tong bi, painful bi, because the cold causes a lot of stagnation, so we get more intense pain. If we have a wind-cold damp pathogen, but the dampness predominates, what's going to happen is we get heavy limbs. Remember, dampness is characterized by heaviness, like you just ate a bunch of pizza and beer and now you feel heavy. So when that dampness gets into the channels or joints, you're going to feel heaviness in the limbs, heaviness in the joints, numbness, and the joint pain is going to be in a fixed location. Remember, dampness is characterized by stubbornness. Dampness doesn't like to move. It's hard to get rid of. So when that dampness gets into the joint, it just stays there. It doesn't move around like the wind does. It gets there and it just is stuck and stays there. And this type of pain is going to be worse with damp weather. So when it gets rainy, like we said, somebody that they can predict the weather based on how their knee is feeling. When the weather starts to get 
cold and or wet and damp, the their joints get worse. And this is called jewel bee, fixed bee. Again, dampness is stubborn. It doesn't like to move around, so the pain is in a fixed location. It turns out we have a third type of heat bee. So normally we say bee syndrome is caused by an invasion of wind, cold, damp, but it turns out if that wind, cold, damp stays around long enough, it can stagnate and turn into heat. And there we get something called hot bee or je bee. So heat type bee, you get red, swollen, painful joints that are warm to the touch. Basically, this is heat bee, so you get signs of heat. Redness is heat, warm to the touch is heat. Think about uh, rheumatoid arthritis, usually the joints are warm to the touch. Um, we might also say that gout could fall into this category, that if you've ever seen someone with gout, it's very red, swollen, and you can feel some warmth there. So we might call that hot bee, or in Chinese, zhe bee. So these are the types of bee syndrome that we can see. And so when, as we go through these herbs, we're going to see that certain herbs are better for certain types of bee syndrome. So that's what we'll, something we'll want to pay attention to. Is this herb better for wind-type bee syndrome, shing bee, where the pain moves around? Or is this herb better for hot bee, where we have symptoms of heat? So that's something we'll want to pay attention to with these herbs. So how do we treat this bee syndrome? Well, it turns out we have a few different strategies we can use to treat bee syndrome. One is we can dispel wind, cold, damp. Basically, we have this wind, cold, damp pathogen blocking the channel, so we need to get rid of it. We use the acrid flavor to disperse it or dispel it, and we're just saying, wind, cold, damp, you get out of here. We're dispelling it and sending it away. So that's one way is this pain is caused by wind cold damp. We're going to get rid of that wind cold damp, usually using the acrid and bitter flavors to get rid of it. But another way we can do it is by unblocking the channels and relaxing the sinews. Um, unblocking the channels and relaxing the sinews. In Chinese, when we say unblock the channels, it's uh, tong jing. Tong means unobstructed or free flow. Uh, so sometimes we say free the channels. I think we uh, saw this term before when we were talking about our laxative herbs. We said tong bian, free the stool, that we're freeing things, unblocking it, getting it to move. That's what we mean here when we say tong jing, same character free the channels. Sometimes we'll talk about the Lul connecting channel and say quicken the network vessels. So that might be something that you see frees the channels and quickens the network vessels. And then we can say relax the sinews. Really the, the um, Chinese term here doesn't really mean relax. I say relax. It doesn't really mean relax. It's more like soothing the sinews or soothing the tendons. And so basically, that's another way, another thing we can do is unblock the channels and soothe the tendons. Why would we want to do that? Well, there's this blockage in the channel, so we want to unblock it. But also think about here, um, if we have numbness or tingling, there's some blockage. We want to unblock the channel so the chi can get through and we can uh, stop that numbness and tingling. But also think about when we're talking about spasm, contraction, hypertonicity of the sinews, we want to relax the sinews so that we can get that full range of motion. So when we have a hypertonicity of the sinews and joints causing inhibited bending and stretching, what we want to do is soothe the sinews or relax the tendons 
to restore that movement. So that's another way we can treat B syndrome is by unblocking the channels and relaxing the sinews. And then what we can also do is strengthen sinew and bone. So sometimes we say these herbs have sinew bone strengthening properties, or as my teacher would say it, these herbs tonify liver and kidney to strengthen tendon and bone. So we say tonify liver and kidney because remember, in terms of our tissues, the liver governs the tendons, the kidney governs the bones. That's why we tonify liver and kidney to strengthen tendon and bone. And this is usually for long-standing chronic cases that have been there for a while. Maybe some wind cold dampness got in there and because it's been lingering around, around for so long, it's weakened the sinews and bones. Or maybe the patient was uh, had some underlying deficiency or maybe it's just an elderly patient. And so we need to strengthen the sinews and bones so that they can repel uh, wind cold damp invasion. So that's another thing that we'll use, especially in long standing chronic cases due to deficiency or especially in elderly patients. So again, we have all these different treatment strategies. So we're going, going to want to pay attention to these herbs. Which treatment strategy does it employ? Does it dispel wind dampness to treat B syndrome? Does it unblock the channels and relax the sinews to treat B syndrome? Or does it tonify liver and kidney to strengthen tendon and bone? to treat B syndrome. So that's another thing we're gonna to wanna to pay attention to as we go through these herbs. So we look at the herbs, the taste is usually acrid and bitter. We should say these herbs, we can just say the property is they're warm, acrid, and bitter. And this makes sense because again, we're dealing with a wind, cold, damp pathogen. How do we get rid of this wind, cold, damp? We'll use the acrid flavor to disperse the wind. We use the warm temperature to take care of the cold, and we use the bitter flavor to dry the dampness. So when we're dealing with wind, cold, damp, it makes sense that we're gonna use acrid, warm, bitter herbs or medicinals. However, this is not always the case. Sometimes we have herbs that are sweet in flavor. When you talk about herbs that tonify liver and kidney to strengthen tendon and bone, those may be sweet in flavor because of their tonifying action. And then again, we said that some of these herbs are gonna treat hot bee. So in general, these are, are gonna be warm because we're dealing with a wind, cold, damp pathogen. But when we're dealing with hot bee, those herbs are gonna be neutral or cold in temperature. So that's something we're gonna to wanna to pay attention to as well. The entering channel for these herbs tends to be the liver and kidney. So again, you can think about tonifying liver and kidney to strengthen tendon and bone. So those are the tissues you're, we're dealing with. Or maybe another way we can think about it is we're talking about joint pain. And the joints are the places where the sinew and bone come together. So when we want to get to that sinew and bone level, or we want to get to this pathogen that's hiding at the level of the sinews and bones, we need to use the liver and kidney channels because the liver is associated with the sinews, the kidney is associated with the bones. So these herbs tend to enter the liver and kidney channels. In terms of cautions and contraindications, most of these herbs are warm, acrid, and we can say aromatic in nature. That means they tend to be drying. And normally that's what we want because we're dealing with wind cold dampness. We want our herbs to dry out that dampness, but we do have to be cautious in cases of dryness or yin deficiency or overuse of these herbs may cause some dryness. So that's something we'll, we'll want to be careful of. And the main action of these herbs is they treat 
B syndrome. So again, an invasion of wind, cold, damp, joint pain, inhibited bending and stretching, or even some numbness tingling due to a external invasion of wind, cold, damp. One thing I forgot to put on here, so I added it at the last minute, is many of these herbs can be soaked in wine and taken as a tincture. And this is especially convenient when we're talking about like chronic low back pain. If we're trying to tonify the liver and kidneys to strengthen tendon and bone, that's something that might take a while. You might have to be taking these herbs for months before as you slowly build up strength in the uh, tendon and bone. So rather than trying to boil a decoction every day, it might be convenient that you can soak these herbs in alcohol and just take a drink from the vat every day. The other thing we can think about is if you remember back at the very beginning when we talked about the preparation of herbs, we talked about powder, different ways we can prepare herbs to change or enhance their effects. One of the things we talked about was preparing herbs with alcohol or preparing herbs with wine. And what we said is when we prepare them with alcohol, it enhances the herb's ability to invigorate blood, it uh, treats joint pain, and it alleviates pain. Well, when we said that the alcohol is good for uh, alleviating pain and treating joint problems, really what we meant is this alcohol dispels wind dampness to treat B syndrome. So that's one of the actions of alcohol. So it makes sense that we can use alcohol in that way kind of as an additional herb to treat wind dampness. So some of these herbs we can either um, make a decoction and then we might add a little bit of alcohol as we drink the decoction. Some of the herbs we might grind them into a powder and then swallow them with warm alcohol to enhance that um, effect of going to the liver channel and dispelling wind cold dampness. Or we can soak the herbs in alcohol and make a tincture and either drink it or apply it externally to the joints. But that's something we can say is that alcohol also has this action of dispelling wind dampness. So that we might see that come up a little bit when we talk about treating B syndrome. So we get into the actual herbs. It turns out there's a couple different ways we can organize them. When we're looking at Bensky, he just gives us one long list of herbs that dispel wind dampness or one long list of herbs that treat B syndrome. And there are like 12 or 14 herbs here. And that can be kind of confusing. So it turns out there are some other books that organize them a little bit differently. If we look at Nigel Weissman's Concise uh, Materia Medica, he breaks it up into three subcategories. We have wind cold damp dispelling medicinals, wind damp heat dispelling medicinals, and wind damp dispelling sinew bone strengthening medicinals. So you can always tell it's Nigel Weissman when it's like the longest translation you can think of. But basically he's dividing these herbs up into three categories, herbs that treat wind cold dampness, herbs that treat hot B or heat type B syndrome, and herbs that strengthen the tendons and bones. So this is one way we can divide them up. Um, depending on basically depending on temperature and whether they tonify. And so this can be good to know because this is something as we go through these, we'll want to pay attention to the temperature. So when you look at herbs like Qin Jiao, Sang Zhe, Xi Xian Sao, Hai Tong Pi, it's good to know that these herbs are going to be neutral or even cold in temperature because they treat hot bee. Notice that Han Fang Ji is in this category. 
Now, when we learned Hanfangji, Bensky puts this in the drain dampness category. So we learned this category in our herbs that treat Lin syndrome that promote urination to drain dampness. But it turns out another function of Hanfangji is it also treats hot bee syndrome. So it turns out other books, including Nigel Weissman's Concise Materia Medica, actually put Hanfangji in this category, herbs that treat bee syndrome. So you should remember that Hanfangji, Stephania tetrandriatics, also treats hot bee syndrome. So this is one way to divide up these herbs. Do they treat cold bee, hot bee, or do they strengthen the sinews? Another way we can do it, in the Chen and Chen Chinese Herbal, Chinese Medical Herbology and Pharmacology, they also divided up into three categories, but instead of temperature, they divided up by treatment strategy. So you have wind damp dispelling and pain relieving herbs. So these are herbs that dispel the pathogen and they're also very good for treating pain conditions. And we have wind damp dispelling and channel and collateral opening herbs. So this is, these are herbs that unblock the channels and relax the sinews to treat bee syndrome. So these are herbs that are good for uh, contraction, spasm, hypertonicity due to uh, tight sinews or some numbness or lack of range of motion due to blockage of the channels. And then we have wind damp dispelling and tendon and bone strengthening herbs. So these are tonifying herbs that tonify liver and kidney to strengthen tendon and bone. And so this is, this is the one that I like that instead of dividing it up by temperature, we can divide it up by treatment strategy. However, the way I do it, I do it a little bit differently just because this is the way that my Chinese teacher taught me. Uh, this is the way that he learned it in China. And so this is the way I always present it because it's the way he presented it. And it's the same thing. We're dividing up by treatment strategy, herbs that dispel wind damp, herbs that unblock the channels and relax the sinews, and herbs that tonify liver and kidney yin to strengthen tendon and bone. It's just that beside, from Chen and Chen, we kind of moved around a few of them. So you can see that I think the main ones are I have San Jia and Qin Jiao in the unblocking category, and they have San Sha and Qin Jiao in the dispel wind damp category. And I have Hong uh, Hai Tong Pi in the dispel wind damp, and they have Hai Tong Pi in the unblock the channels. So it's a little bit different, but it's still kind of the same idea. And it, it kind of turns out we can we can have a discussion about these herbs, but it kind of turns out that there's some overlap here and they kind of do both things. So on the one hand, we can kind of say that we have all these different ways to categorize them. Maybe we should have just gone with Bensky and just said, oh, there's one big list because we have different options in terms of categorizing them. Even some of these herbs, there's some overlap. Is, do they unblock the channels or do they dispel wind damp or do they do both? There's some overlap. But I still think it's a little bit easier to do it this way, where we divide it up into category based on treatment strategy. So that's what I do, and that's how we're going to go through it. I guess the other thing I should say is kind of disclaimer. I'm not really great, or I'm not really super comfortable with these herbs, mostly just because maybe this is something I don't treat. But also when we get to formulas, it turns out we don't have a lot of formulas with these herbs in them. So that makes it a little bit harder for me to say what stands out about these herbs. So if I'm not very good at these herbs, that's why. 
But if you're someone who plans to specialize in something like sports medicine, where you're going to have these injuries, you're going to have people coming in saying like, oh, I got this knee injury from high school that acts up every time the weather gets cold, it's probably a good idea to know these herbs. So you'll, you'll want to know some of the uh, intricacies of these herbs. We'll want to know things like uh, what type of what type of bee syndrome do they treat? Is it wind bee, cold bee, damp bee, hot bee? Do they go to a special area? Some herbs are better for the upper body versus the lower body. Some herbs are better for the extremities. And then we'll want to know which by which way are they treating the bee syndrome? Are they dispelling the wind cold dampness? Are they unblocking the channels and relaxing the sinews? Or are they tonifying? liver and kidney to strengthen tendon and bone. So let's go ahead and get into the herbs, starting with Du Huo Angelica pubescentis radix. Du Huo Angelica pubescentis radix. So Du Huo is in our first category of herbs that dispel wind dampness to treat bee syndrome. So we see it has this acrid bitter flavor to disperse or dispel or expel the wind dampness out of the body. And what we should say about du huo is it's especially useful for the lower body. And here when we say lower body, that includes the low back. So du huo is going to be used very commonly for this low back pain due to wind dampness. So du huo, especially good for the low back and legs. So maybe you can remember this because we learned another herb with huo in the name called Chang Huo. This was in the warm acid release the exterior category. Back in the very beginning, we learned Chang Huo. And we said this herb also treats B syndrome, but Chang Huo is better for the upper body. So maybe this is a way you can remember it. Chang Huo is for the upper body. Du Huo is for the lower body. And this one, we have to be very careful that it can be very drying in nature because especially if we're using this herb long term, we want to, we have to worry that this might dry the patient out because we're using this acrid bitterness to take care of the dampness. If we use this long term, it can dry the patient out. Turns out Duhul can also release the exterior for just an exterior attack of wind cold, especially when we have an exterior wind cold attack with signs of dampness, like heavy limbs, fatigue, sleepiness, things like that. So again, we can bring up the similarities between Du Huo and the other herb we learned, Chang Huo, Nototerygium rhizomus erratix, from the warm acid release the exterior category. We say that Chang Huo promotes sweating to release the exterior, especially for dampness, like joint pain, body heaviness, sleepiness. Turns out Du Huo also releases the exterior uh, for wind cold attack with dampness. Changhuo treats bee syndrome, wind cold damp bee syndrome, especially in the upper body. Duhuo treats wind cold dampness, especially in the lower body. So both of these herbs have huo in the name. They're very, they have similar functions. Maybe some difference is that Changhuo treats the upper body, Duhuo treats the lower body. Turns out we can use the two together. When you use together Duhuo plus Changhuo, we call that Arhuo, the two huos. Then we can treat B syndrome anywhere in the body. So that's Duhuo. We can also say it treats Xiaoyan headache and toothache. And Xiaoyan headache is splitting headache deep in the brain and stretching into the teeth. So maybe you can think that Xiaoyan involves the kidney. The kidney involves the bones. So the headache is going to go into the bones, which the closest bones are your teeth. 
Uh, kidney also has something to do with marrow, and the brain is a sea of marrow. So when you have a Shaoyan headache, it's going to the brain. So Duhuo, uh, we talked about different herbs treat different types of headache. When we talked about like Bai Zhe treats Yang Ming headache, things like that. Now we know that Duhuo treats Shaoyan headache, which may or may not be very common. So that's Duhuo. If we look at the taste and temperature, like we said, this is warm, acrid, and bitter. We're dealing with a wind, cold, damp pathogen. So we use acrid to disperse the wind, warm to heat up the cold, and bitter to dry the dampness. So we, um, so those are our properties of uh, Duhuo, warm, acrid, and bitter. And the name of this herb, Duhuo, means independent existence or self-reliant existence. Apparently the, the reason it has this name is because it's a, it has a very strong stalk that is not affected by the wind. So if the wind tries to blow it down, Duhuo will stand upright. And that's why I say it's independent or it's self-reliant. It's not easily shaken by the wind. I don't know if that really, uh, if that means anything, but maybe you, you can think about Duhuo standing strong against the wind. And so that's why if you have an external invasion of wind, cold, dampness, uh, your spine will be as strong and upright as Duhuo standing against the wind. I don't know if that made any sense, but you know, we try sometimes. Next is Wei Ling Xian Clematidus Radix. Wei Ling Xian. Wei Ling Xian is also in the subcategory of dispelling wind damp to treat B syndrome. And for this one, we can say it's especially useful for pain conditions. We might even go so far as to say that we can use Wei Ling Xian like a pain reliever. But if you remember when we talked about those categories, when we looked at Chen and Chen, they named this category herbs that dispel wind dampness and relieve pain. So here we have Weiling Xian has a specialty of treating pain conditions. It turns out it's so good for pain, we can use it for like knocks and falls, which I believe is Nigel Weissman's way of saying injury and trauma. So even if it's not due to wind, it's, it's pain relieving function is good enough that we can use it for knocks and falls, not just an external invasion of wind cold dampness. And this is one that we can use it as a single herb, grind it up into powder, swallow it with wine, and um, that's how we can enhance its pain relieving effect. I'm not sure if I've had this discussion before, but we have to say, uh, when we say swallow with wine or prepare something with wine, Really, wine is just our translation of the Chinese word jiu. Jiu, we can translate as wine, but really just means alcohol. And so it turns out in, uh, in Chinese, we can divide our alcohol into two broad categories, huang jiu, yellow alcohol, and bai jiu, white alcohol. Huang jiu is fermented alcohol, so it has a, a alcohol content of like 6 to 12%. Baijiu, white alcohol, is distilled alcohol, so it has a much higher uh, alcohol percentage, like 40 to 50%. So usually when we, when we talk about like swallow this with alcohol or soak it in alcohol or take this herb with wine, what we really mean is use vodka. We don't mean like, oh, soak these herbs in some Cabernet Sauvignon. We mean soak them in vodka. So 
With this one, when we say swallow with warm wine, we probably mean like rice wine, and it might be a really strong wine. So, so I suppose you could uh, drink this with a glass of Chardonnay, or you could uh, take a shot of vodka with your Wei Ling Xian. Another interesting uh, feature of Wei Ling Xian is we say it softens fish bones. This is for small fish bones lodged in the throat. And so I guess this is the thing that happens. Maybe I just buy different types of fish. I've never had this happen. But I suppose with some types of fish, there will be little bones in there. When you eat the fish, those bones can get stuck in the throat, and you'll just have something stuck in your throat forever, and you can't get it out. Well, it turns out that you can, uh, if you have this problem, you can take weiling xian to soften the fish bones. I think usually we take it with vinegar and brown sugar. Um, and this is kind of interesting that um, some people say, you know, like this weiling xian, it doesn't actually uh, dissolve the fishbone. Really what it does is it relaxes the muscles of the throat so that the fishbone is easier to swallow. So that's something maybe you can remember about weiling xian is it relaxes the throat and makes bones easier to swallow. And we can make a man jingzi joke at this point. So that's Wei Ling Xian. We, also, we can also say it transforms phlegm for um, focal distension. Again, that's distension that's focused in the epigastrium. So, um, so just phlegm, uh, thin phlegm in the uh, thin mucus in the middle jowl. Not sure how important that is. So Wei Ling Xian, maybe something we should point out here is besides being warm and acrid, it's also salty. And so we could say that it's salty because it breaks up some accumulations with the phlegm and that the salty flavor, that's what it does. Or we could just say the salty flavor softens hardness, so it's softening the fish bones uh, is its salty flavor. So that's Wei Ling Xian. Again, what I would remember about this is it's good for B syndrome, especially for pain. So think Wei Ling Xian dispels wind dampness, and it's good for pain conditions. And if you remember, wanna if you want to remember relaxing your throat to swallow bones, that might also be kind of fun and maybe useful in some context. So Wei Ling Xian, the name means awesome spirit immortal. Uh, Ling means like. Um, Spirit, like when we talk about the Huangdi Neijing, we have the Su Wen and the Ling Shu, the spirit pivot or the spiritual axis. That's the word Ling. Xian means immortal, like when you talk about the Taoist immortals. So awesome spirit immortal. I don't know what that means, but it sounds kind of cool. So maybe you can think about um, immortal people are kind of old, so they tend to have arthritis. And they tend to choke on bones, I guess. So that's Wei Ling Xian, Clematidus radix. Next we have Hai Tong Pi Erythrini Cortex. Hai Tong Pi Erythrini Cortex. So with Hai Tong Pi, we say this one dispels wind damp and unblocks the channels to treat B syndrome. So this is one that my teacher put in the expel wind damp category, but Chen and Chen will put it in the unblock the channels category. Turns out it does both, so we can put it in either one. So some things we could say for this is that it's especially for the low back and knees. So again, this is a lower body one like Du Huo. These are especially good for the lower body, low back and knees. And when we look at the temperature, we see it's neutral in temperature. So we can use this one for both heat 
and cold conditions. So if we looked at that Nigel Weissman category, he puts us in, in the hot B category because this one is neutral in temperature. So it can be used to be treat either cold B or hot B. So that's something we should pay attention to. When we said hot B, we're talking about red, swollen, painful joints that are warm to the touch. And it turns out um, uh, gout might also fall into this category. So uh, Bensky will specifically say that high tone P can be used to treat gout. So that might be something that's good to know. Also promotes urination to treat edema, especially for superficial edema under the skin. Again, P means skin or bark or peel. So this happens very frequently when we have things that it's the skin of the plant. It treats edema under the skin. So I think we saw this before with things like Shenzhen pea, ginger peel, is good for promoting urination to treat edema under the skin. It's the skin of ginger, so it's good for the skin. We talked about fooling. We had fooling pea, the skin of fooling, is for edema under the skin. And here we have another one, hai tong pea, is good for edema under the skin. Or we can just say hai tong pea makes you pee. And then finally, we can say that high tongue pee kills parasites. And here when we say parasites, we're not necessarily talking about internal parasites like uh, roundworm, tapeworm, pinworm. Here we're talking more about external parasites. And by that, we mean like fungal infections and itchy skin. So for fungal infections, scabies, I had to look this up. Scabies is a rash caused by microscopic mites burrowing into your skin and other skin types of conditions. So we can say kills parasites, or maybe we should say kills parasites and relieves itching. It's good for itchy skin. So that's another feature of high tone P, erythronic cortex. Um, but again, what I would remember about this one is it treats bee syndrome. It both dispels wind dampness and unblocks the channels. It's especially good for the lower body, just like du huo. And we should pay attention to its temperature. It's neutral in temperature, so it can be used for both heat and cold conditions. As for the name Hai Tong Pi, I think that's just Hai Tong is just the name of the plant. I think Hai Tong means like ocean tree or sea tree, and that's just the name of the plant. P means peel or skin or bark. So it's the bark of this plant. Hai Tong P, erythronic cortex. Next we have Hu Gu, Tigris Os. Hu Gu. This is tiger bone. Now, obviously, we do not use tiger bone. Uh, in most books, this has been moved to a separate category. In Bensky, this is a category called obsolete substances. So if you open your Bensky in the very back, we have this section, and this is for herbs that are either so toxic, we don't use them anymore, or they um, contain some controlled substances, so they're illegal and we don't use them anymore, or it comes from an animal or an endangered species that we don't use it anymore, so we call it an obsolete substance. But I still do like to mention this just for histor historical and educational purposes. Not, I'm not saying anybody should ever actually use tiger bone, but we just like to talk about it. So uh, hugu tiger bone, this is one that it dispels wind damp to treat bee syndrome. But here we specifically say it seeks out wind. Uh, this is a term we use in Chinese. It seeks out or tracks down wind. So we use this in certain contexts to mean that 
we're not just gently expelling the wind or uh, trying to disperse it. What we're saying is this herb will actually go into the body and it will seek it out. It will track down the wind in order to eliminate it. And so this is saying something that this is very powerful at getting rid of the wind. And usually whenever I've heard this term seek out or track down wind, usually this happens when we're talking about animals or insects. And so things like tiger bone, earthworm, uh, centipede and scorpion. We usually use this phrase that they seek out or track down wind. So um, that's just some saying something about how powerful these are in terms of getting rid of the wind dampness. We can also say this one tonifies liver and kidney in to strengthen tendon and bone, especially for atrophy conditions. And so basically, this is like a very basic doctrine of signatures. You want to strengthen the bone? Use a bone. What kind of bone you should use? The most powerful bone you can find, tiger bone. And so again, um, this is something that we don't use. This is uh, marked as an obsolete substance. We don't use it anymore. But I do like to mention it. Sometimes it's just it just comes up on the syllabus, so we have to mention it even though we don't use it. But sometimes I like to mention it because people talk about Chinese medicine and tiger bone, and I feel like there are people arguing on the internet about uh, TCM and people killing endangered animals just so just for aphrodisiacs or for um, treating erectile dysfunction. And I'm just kind of like. It's not really what we used it for. We don't use rhinoceros horn as an aphrodisiac. We use rhinoceros horn to treat blood level heat. We don't use tiger bone as an aphrodisiac. We use tiger bone to treat low back pain. Um, so just, uh, that's just something to know. And then as our picture over there, this is kind of uh, interesting. I'm not sure if you can still get this or not, but I remember 10 years ago going into a Chinese herbal shop and you could get this, um, uh, wine over here. It's called Hugu Muguajo. Hugu Muguajo. And so this is how uh, back in the day when they used tiger bone, the way they prepared it is you didn't really boil it in decoction. What you do is you would soak it in alcohol and make a tincture. And so the traditional, uh, one traditional recipe was Hugu Muguajo. Hugu is tiger bone. Mugua is quince fruit. The next one we're going to learn. So we take these and soak them in alcohol and like take a shot per day to strengthen your low back. Well, anyway, once tiger bone, once tigers became endangered and the Chinese government cracked down on it and you couldn't use tiger bone anymore, it turns out this company kept making this tincture. It's just they changed the name slightly. Um, what is that when you call it when you use a word that sounds the same but means something different? A homonym, they used a homonym. So they used a homonym of tiger, and so this is still called Hugu Muguajo, but instead of tiger bone alcohol, it's now protect the bone alcohol or guard the bones alcohol. So I thought that was kind of clever. And then I've had some people say that knowing the reputation of this company and knowing that their, um, their strict standards of quality even though they changed the name, it's still possible that it they snuck in some tiger bone in there anyway. So if you're worried about endangered species, maybe you should avoid this altogether, even though um, the tiger bone was made, was made illegal. So that's just a story I heard. Allegedly, I don't know if it's true. Please don't sue me. So that's Hugu tiger bone. Again, something that we don't use, but sometimes it's good to know about for historical reasons.
After that, we get into our section of herbs that unblock the channels and relax the sinews to treat B syndrome. So we can say, free the channels and quicken the network vessels, talking about uh, unblocking the Jing Bu. And then we can say, soothe the sinews or relax the tendons uh, to treat B syndrome. So our first one is Mu Gua Kynomelis Fructus. Mu Gua Kynomelis Fructus. This is Chinese quince fruit, Mu Gua. So Mu Gua relaxes the tendons and unblocks the channels to treat B syndrome. So what this means is what we're treating is we're treating things like spasm and cramping. So not necessarily like this pain that moves around or this, this joint pain. We're talking more about spasm, cramping, contraction, hypertonicity of the sinews and joints causing, causing inhibited bending and stretching. So we say especially for spasm and cramping pain, things like low back, TMJ, uh, is a spasm, abdominal cramps, leg cramps. And so that's what we're talking about with mugua, is we're talking about spasm and cramping. This relaxes the tendons to treat those things. The second important thing about mugua is it also transforms middle jaw dampness, especially for vomiting and diarrhea. So, um, so you might not see it come up in terms of like spleen chi deficiency with uh, with dampness for chronic conditions. But when you have like vomiting and diarrhea, like you got food poisoning and now you have sudden turmoil disease, then we might see something with mugua. And we, we say it's specifically for vomiting or diarrhea with cramps. So think about you got some food poisoning, you got real sick, and you're vomiting so much that your abdominal muscles start cramping up. Well, then we can use mugua. We're making uh, use of both of its functions, that we're transforming the dampness to take, take care of the vomiting, but we're also relaxing the abdominal muscles that start to spasm because you were throwing up so much. So that is mugua, kynomelis fructus, uh, or, ja or Chinese quince fruit. So what we should pay attention to here is this is warm and it is sour in flavor, which is a bit unexpected. So when we talk about mugua being sour, one, this is kind of undisputed. It's like it's this quince fruit. If you taste it, it tastes very sour. So we know that it's sour in flavor. So the, the way we explain this, some people try to get away with explaining this, saying that, you know, because we're treating diarrhea, it might have some effect of astringing the intestines or binding up the intestines to treat diarrhea. And that's why we say it's sour in flavor. And maybe that's true, but when we look at the functions, we don't actually say it binds up the intestines. We were really more saying it transforms middle jaw dampness. So the way that it was explained to me is really, uh, when we say mugua is sour, we don't really mean it has any astringent property. What we really mean when we say mugua is sour because it very strongly enters the liver channel. That sour is associated with the wood phase and the liver. So mugua is sour because it strongly enters the liver channel to relax the sinews and relax the tendons. So that's why we call it sour in flavor. We don't really say it's astringent or binds the intestines, even though it does have something to do with diarrhea. So that's one of those things. In Bensky, he'll say it's sour because it treats diarrhea. I've had Chinese teachers who say, no, it's sour because it strongly enters the liver channel. So that's mugua. 
The name mugua mu means wood, so mugua is wood melon. So mu means wood or tree. Same as when we talk about the five elements or the five phases. So maybe you can remember mugua mu means wood, and so that's why this herb is sour in flavor because sour is associated with the wood phase. And also, mugua mu means wood. It enters the liver channel. This herb strongly enters the liver channel to relax the sinews, relax the tendons, to treat spasm and cramping. So that's mugua chinomelis fructus, Chinese quince fruit. Next, we have tsan sha bombicus feces. Tsan sha bombicus feces. This is. Silkworm feces. Turns out,、um, silkworms are really important, and I mean they're important in China because they made silk, and I think they like named an entire trade route after silk.、Uh, but it turns out silkworms are very important. That we'll use the trees that the silkworms are on. We'll use actual silkworms, and where it's, it's so important, we even use silkworm feces. Who was the first person to try that? I don't know, but it turns out it does have medicinal properties. So when we talk about san sha silkworm sand or silkworm feces,、uh, dispels wind damp to treat bee syndrome. So this is one that Chen and Chen put this in the dispel wind damp and alleviate pain.、Uh, I put it here in the unblock the channels and relax the sinews because it does both. And it's also very convenient to talk about mugua and san sha together because they have very similar functions. So we can say it dispels wind damp to treat bee syndrome. Or it unblocks the channels and relaxes the sinews. When we look at the kind of things it treats, we can see that it actually does both. So it's not just for this、um, dispelling wind to get rid of joint pain. It's also used for spasm and things like that as well. So I think it's fair to say that this relaxes the sinews. But maybe we could say one of its specialties is it's good for、uh, rashes and itchy skin due to. Wind dampness. So you have this wind dampness. Maybe it didn't get all the way down to the joints. Maybe it just lodged in the skin, and now you have、uh, rashes, itchiness, and skin lesions.、Uh, turns out, silkworm feces can help release that. But similar, like we said with mugua sancha, it turns out also transforms middle jaw dampness for vomiting and diarrhea with cramping. So when you have this condition of your You're vomiting so much, you got stomach cramps. You have diarrhea so bad, you got stomach cramps. Turns out we can use mugua and sancha together to treat this cramping. So、um, with sancha, I would say this is we should know that、um, mugua and sancha are very similar. They both、uh, relax the sinews, treat bee syndrome. They both transform middle jaw dampness. But sancha, we can maybe say one of its specialties is. Uh, releasing wind dampness from the skin to treat this itchiness. As for the name San Sha, it actually it literally means silkworm sand. So Sha means sand. Like when you do Gua Sha, you're scraping someone with a spoon. That means Sha means sand. So San Sha is silkworm sand, but that's just a very poetic way of saying silkworm feces. Turns out nobody wanted to say silkworm poop, so they said. Silkworm sand instead to make it sound more poetic. So that's sancha, silkworm sand, or silkworm feces. 
I think we also have a note down here that this can be applied externally to the joints as well. So you might like put it in a tea bag and soak it in warm wine and then you can put it on the joint um, to help with that as well. So you can use an external compress of silkworm feces to treat your joint pain. Next is Qin Jiao Gentianai Macrophylli Radix. Qin Jiao. Qin Jiao. So Qin Jiao is another one that um, Chen and Chen put into the spell wind damp category. I put it in the relax the tendons category, and I think it does both. So we really could we could put in either one. Qin Jiao dispels wind dampness, relaxes tendons, and unblocks the channels to treat B syndrome, especially for cramping and pain in the extremities. So we had some herbs that are better for the upper body, some herbs that are better for the lower body, some herbs that are better for the low back. Turns out Qin Jiao is best for the extremities. I say especially for frozen shoulder. This is actually something I haven't found in the book, but it is something that my Chinese teacher mentioned. So I just, I think that's interesting. So I like to put it in there, especially for frozen shoulder. But really, Bensky will just say cramping and pain in the extremities. But I think this is maybe a good example of inhibited bending and stretching of the joints due to hypertonicity of the sinews. So maybe that's something you can think of. So Qin Jiao. The other thing we should say is Weissman probably put this in the hot bee category because we say its temperature is slightly cold. So if we're using it to treat bee syndrome, it could be that this is one that we're going to use to treat hot bee as well, depending on what kind of herbs that we um, combine it with. But it turns out Qin Jiao also does a lot of other heat things as well. It clears deficiency heat for things like steaming bone disorder. Remember, we had that whole category of herbs that uh, clear deficiency heat. So Qin Jiao is another one that can do this. It also relieves jaundice. So jaundice due to damp heat, especially acute jaundice or jaundice in infants. And then we also say it moistens the large intestine to relieve constipation. And it's kind of like, so what? Turned that we have a lot of herbs that moisten the large intestine to relieve constipation. Are we really going to use this one? Maybe not. I think kind of the point here is what we said before is most of these herbs are very drying in nature. So we have to be worried about, about the acrid and bitterness of these herbs drying out the patient if we use them long term. What we're saying here is Qin Jiao is not that way. Qin Jiao is not a drying herb. It actually has some moistening qualities. So we might use this herb to offset some of the drying nature of some of these other herbs uh, that are um, acrid and bitter. So that's maybe what we mean by Qin Jiao. So again, when we look at the temperature, it's slightly cold. So we might uh, use this for hot bee syndrome. And then notice it enters the, the liver and gallbladder channels because we're talking about jaundice. Now, the interesting thing about Qin Jiao, um, what I would remember is it's slightly cold and it's, and it's good for all these type of heat conditions, not only for hot bee, but it's also good for deficiency heat and for damp heat jaundice. And this is maybe a little bit weird, but when you look at the Latin name, Gentini Macrophylli Radix, it turns out that that sounds very similar to another herb we learned, Long Don Sao. Remember Long Don Sao we learned in the damp heat category, herbs that clear heat and dry dampness. So Long Don Sao was Gentiani Radix. Well, here we have Gentiani Macrophylli Radix. Now it turns out, I don't know a whole lot about botany or uh, 
naming naming plants or anything like that. So I'm not sure if these two plants are actually related or not. I just know that one is gentiani root, one is large gentiani root. So they sound kind of similar to me. And basically, if you remember Longdon Sal, Gentian Iratix, it was really good for damp heat in the liver gallbladder channel. So when you see this other name, Gentian Macrophile Iratix, maybe this can uh, help you remember that it's cold in temperature. It's also good for damp heat jaundice, which sounds like damp heat in the liver and gallbladder. It enters the liver and gallbladder channels. So maybe that's a way you can remember that Qingjiao is cold in temperature and is also good for jaundice. Or can you remember, qin is yin, qin is yin. So it's, a, it's more yin, it's more moist, and it's more cool in temperature. So that's what we want to remember about qinjiao gentianai macrophylli radix. Next is sangzhi mori ramulus. Sangzhi mori ramulus. Sangzhi is mulberry twig. So song means mulberry. So again, mulberry is very important in Chinese medicine. It turns out we use all the parts of the mulberry plant. So you remember earlier we learned song ye, mulberry leaf, in the cool acrid release the exterior. Here we're learning uh, song zhi, mulberry twig. Later we'll learn mulberry fruit and later we'll learn mulberry root. We, it turns out we use all the parts of the mulberry. Uh, we use the parasite that grows on the mulberry. We use the silkworms that munch on the mulberry leaves. So we use a lot of mulberry. Sangju is mulberry twig. So this one relaxes the tendons and unblocks the channels to treat bee syndrome. This one we, we would say it's especially for the upper extremities. I think upper extremities is a fancy way of saying your arms. Sangju is good for your arms. So maybe what you can think about this is this is mulberry twigs. Twigs are like the arms of a tree. So this herb is good for the arms of your body. So again, it's um, unblocking the channels and relaxing the tendons. So for muscle pain, spasm, cramps, or even for uh, numbness and hemiplasia after a stroke. Think about um, after a stroke, uh, it's very common for people to have numbness and tingling in the limbs. It's very common for them to have weakness, like they have trouble with their grip strength after a stroke. And so what we want to do is we want to unblock the channels so that the chi and blood can get to the extremities and restore that strength and restore that feeling after a stroke. So that's what we're saying when we say unblock the channels. We're unblocking it so that chi and blood can get in there and treat the hemiplasia and relieve the numbness. So Sangju is the arms of a tree. It's good for the arms of your body. Uh, also promotes urination to treat edema. Yeah, turns out we have a whole category of herbs that do that. So maybe you have some edema accompanying your joint pain. Sangju, you're getting a two for one. Uh, there is some uh, modern research that shows it may lower high blood pressure. So when we're talking about uh, hemiplegia or stroke conditions, it could be that lowering your high blood pressure is also a good thing. But mainly I would remember Songju, mulberry twig, good for the upper extremities. This is another one that is neutral in temperature, so we can use it for either cold bee or hot bee. So Nigel Weissman will put this in the hot bee category because it's neutral in temperature. We can use it for either one depending on how we combine it. 
Other thing we can point out is this one, Sonninger is just a little bit more mild, so the dosage is a little bit higher than usual. So we say nine to 15 grams, or we can go up to 30 grams in some cases if we're treating this post-stroke patient. We might go as high as 30 grams, and that's just Sonninger is a little bit more mild in its actions, so we need a larger dosage in order for it to be effective. So that's Sonninger moriramulus mulberry twig. After that, we have Xi Xian Sao Sigisbeckii Herba. I'm not sure if I'm saying that Latin one right, but Xi Xian Sao Sigisbeckii Herba. Xi Xian Sao is in this uh, subcategory of relaxing the tendons and unblocking the channels to treat B syndrome. So again, this is another one for spasm, cramping, weakness and numbness in the extremities. So again, when you say spasm and cramping, that's we have hypertonicity of the sinew, so we need to relax the tendons. When we have weakness and numbness, that means there's wind cold damp blocking the channels so the chi and blood can't nourish the sinew. So we need to unblock the channels so that the chi and blood can flow and take care of that weakness and numbness. And again, this is commonly used in post-stroke conditions like facial paralysis, or weak extremities. Again, this is something you'll see commonly post-stroke. Sometimes you have hemiplasia where the person is completely paralyzed on one side. Sometimes it's not that severe, but people will still complain that they have some numbness and tingling that stays after a while, or it's very common they'll have um, poor grip strength. That, that, that's where we're talking about weakness of the extremities. They might have some poor grip strength after the stroke, so we can, uh, twirl around those bao ding balls to stimulate the channels and strengthen the muscles, or we can use herbs like xi xian sao that unblock the channels to treat B syndrome. Xi xian sao, this is another one that's cold in temperature, and so it clears heat and subdues liver yang rising, especially for headache, dizziness, and tinnitus. So liver yang rising kind of sounds like you might have a stroke, and so it's good that it treats both of these things. Lowers high blood pressure. Sometimes when you have high blood pressure, you worry about liver yang rising and having a stroke. So that's kind of convenient. Treats damp heat-related skin problems. This one we can use internally or externally for uh, sores. Again, a wind-damp rash and itching, like we said with high tong P, kind of similar here with those itching problems. So again, this one is cold, uh, cold and bitter, so we're more likely to use it for hot B. And this one, the way I think about this one, this is again going to be kind of weird, but I feel like Xi Xian Cao sounds a lot like Xia Ku Cao. So if you remember in the drain fire category, we learned this herb Xia Ku Cao, Prunelli Spica, and had some of the similar functions. It was, it was clearing heat, but it was clearing liver heat. It was good for liver yang rising. It was good for lowering high blood pressure. And so that makes me think of Xi Xian Cao. It's good for uh, liver yang rising. It's good for high blood pressure. And when you talk about B syndrome, it's good for these post-stroke conditions where we either have um, spasm cramping or we have weakness and numbness in the extremities. So Xi Xian Cao, for some reason, I think of Xia Ku Cao, both of them entering the liver channel. So if that's really weird, maybe you just have to remember Xi Xian Cao is good for... Um, uh, it's cold in temperature, so it's good for hot bee, good for liver yang rising. Uh, high blood pressure is kind of like liver yang rising. And it's good for um, spasm, cramping, weakness, numbness, because we're relaxing the tendons and unblocking the channels, quickening the network vessels. Next is Bai Hua Shi 
Agistrodon. Bai Hua Shi is a snake. Bai Hua Shi. Bai Hua Shi means white flower snake. So that's referring to the pattern on the back of the snake. Bai Hua Shi. It's also called Qi Shi uh, due to its location. Uh, the Qi River. It's in Hubei province. That's where the snake is found. But anyway, Bai Hua Shi is a snake. If you remember back in the heat toxicity category, we learned an herb, my favorite herb to say, Bai Hua Shi Shi Cao. Bai Hua Shi Shi Cao clears heat toxicity, especially good for skin conditions and snake bites. But if you remember there, we said Bai Hua Shi Shi Cao is named after a snake. The leaves of this plant look like the tongue of a snake called Bai Hua Shi. Well, it turns out there we were learning white flower pattern snake. We were learning the herb that's named after a snake. Now we're learning the actual snake, Bai Hua Shi. How about that? So Bai Hua Shi is a snake and it strongly unblocks the channels. This is one, another one that we say it seeks out or tracks down wind. So this isn't just gently expelling the wind. This isn't just gently unblocking the channels. This is this is a very targeted seek and destroy. We're seeking out the wind and getting rid of it. So maybe you can think of a, a, a miniature snake slithering through your channels, seeking out the wind, tracking it down, and uh, getting rid of it. So this is for weakness and numbness in the limbs that when we, again, weakness and numbness, we have something blocking the channels. So we send in a, a little snake to unblock the channels and cramping of the muscles. We can also say it dispels wind dampness for a spasm, tremor, seizure, facial paralysis. Uh, basically, these are more severe symptoms of wind. So spasm, tremor, seizures, these are more severe types of wind in the body. So again, Bai Hua Shi, the snake will track down the wind, it will seek out the wind and get rid of it. So obviously, we're pro this is probably reserved for difficult situations, severe situations, or stubborn situations when we tried other stuff and it didn't work. This is more of a last resort. If you just have like a little bit of elbow pain, I would not go immediately to the snake wine. This is more for um, something more severe, something more chronic, something more stubborn, more of a, as a last resort when our other more gentle herbs didn't work. It also treats leprosy. I'm not sure if you're going to get a lot of people with leprosy coming into your clinic. But, uh, but again, um, we say this is warm. It's also salty just because animal parts tend to be salty in flavor. But we also say it's toxic. So again, that's you're drinking a snake. It's, you, you wouldn't want to use that for just anything. This is more of a last resort. And this is one, Bensky says, three to nine grams in decoction. Maybe that's okay. Um, I'm not sure there's necessarily anything wrong with cooking by Hua Shi in a decoction, but I think it's it looks kind of weird. I'm not sure that anybody actually does it. So I think you can do it, but people are going to look at you funny. Really, the way to take by Hua Shi is you would either dry it up, grind it up, and put it in a pill. Or I think the more common one is you soak it in alcohol. And again, we say... Um, best used in tincture or wine. When I say wine, I don't mean like a Cabernet Sauvignon. That's only like 12% alcohol. You're going to get weird stuff growing in it. When I say soak it in wine, I mean like vodka, something stronger that will disinfect 
that snake that's sitting in there. So uh, that would be the way you would uh, take it is probably soak it in wine and then uh, uh, drink the wine instead of boiling it in decoction. I may be remembering this wrong, but I feel like there was one guy when I was in school. There was well, there was one student there, a classmate that he was he was really into Taoism, and I remember him saying something about he tried to make his own snake wine, and I think it was something. It was weird, like he was just like riding his bike down the road, and he saw a snake on the side of the road. So he's like, "I'm going to take the snake and uh, make it into snake wine." And so he was talking about like he had this in his bathtub, trying to clean off the snake so it can turn it into snake wine. And apparently somebody, I think he said something like, apparently the traditional way to do it is you don't kill the snake and then soak it in alcohol. You have to like kill the snake by drowning it in alcohol. And I don't know if that's a real thing or not. I thought it was just, it was, it was kind of a funny guy. So that's just what I, what I think of when I think of snake wine. Um, I think you can, you can order this from herb suppliers and I think it's, it's dried and I think it's eviscerated. They take out all the gross stuff. And so I think you would just use the dried one and put it in alcohol. But I thought, I thought it was funny as some guy just picking up a snake, trying to wash it off in his bathtub and then trying to get it into a vat so he could soak it in alcohol. Chinese medicine people are weird. So that's Bai Hua Shu, um, white flower snake. Again, this is something that you may or may not actually use this because this is more of a last resort kind of thing. It strongly unblocks the channels. It seeks out or tracks down wind uh, to get rid of those problems. So that's Bai Hua Shu, snake. And we're finally getting into our last category. So we talked about herbs that dispel wind dampness, that they expel the wind to get rid of the bee syndrome. We talked about herbs that relax the sinews and unblock the channels to treat bee syndrome. So especially for uh, spasm, cramping, inhibited bending and stretching of the joints, but also numbness and tingling due to blockage. Here we're getting into our last category of herbs that tonify liver and kidney to strengthen tendon and bone. Remember, the liver belongs to the tendons or the sinews. The kidney belongs to the bones. So we tonify liver and kidney to strengthen tendon and bone. So our first one is Sangji Sheng Taxili Herba. Sangji Sheng Taxili Herba. Sangji Sheng is mistletoe. Uh, mistletoe. So Sang Sheng tonifies liver and kidney in to strengthen tendon and bone. So again, this is something we're going to use in deficient patients, weak patients, usually elderly patients, or chronic long-standing conditions, things that have been there. Um, think about old people with a bad low back or old people with weak knees. That's what I think about when I think about tonifying liver and kidney in to strengthen tendon and bone. We can either say... There's a wind-cold damp pathogen that's been there long enough that it starts to weaken the tendon and bones. Or we can say the person is deficient to begin with. They have weak tendon and bones. And so it's very easy for that wind-cold dampness to invade. But uh, either way, our treatment strategy is to tonify, to strengthen tendon and bone. So that's what Sangji Sheng does, probably our, our most famous one for that. Besides uh, strengthening tendon and bone, we can also say Sangji Sheng just in general tonifies blood. 
And here, uh, Bensky says it's especially good for the skin, nourishing the skin. So for dry, scaly skin due to blood deficiency. So the blood is supposed to nourish the various tissues of the body. If you have blood deficiency, the blood won't be nourishing the tissues, and that includes the skin. So if you have blood failing to nourish the skin, you might end up with dry, scaly skin. Song Jisheng can take care of that. Song Jisheng also calms restless fetus to prevent miscarriage. So calms restless fetus to prevent miscarriage. I think we talked about um, a couple of these um, so far. When we say calm restless fetus, we're talking about there may be some excessive movement or excessive kicking of the fetus. We may There may be some bleeding during pregnancy, um, or there may just be a history of miscarriage that you might have a patient that there, it's very easy for them to get pregnant, but it's very, but uh, it's very hard for them to carry all the way to term. That or that some patients that they get pregnant very easily, but at month four, they um, several times they've had a miscarriage. So it could be excessive kicking and movement where we worry about uh, threatened miscarriage, or it could be a history of miscarriage that we want to calm restless fetus to prevent miscarriage. Some ones we learned before. Uh, Zitsuye, perillifolium, according to the textbooks, is good for calming restless fetus. We learned Huangqin in the damp heat category is especially good for restless fetus due to heat. If you got all this heat in there, it's the fetus is getting hot and bothered and starts moving around. We can use Huangqin to calm restless fetus. Well, here we're using Songjisheng for restless fetus due to deficiency. So if, um, if the patient has deficiency and maybe there's not enough nourishment getting to the fetus, it will become restless and we worry about miscarriage. That's when you can use Sangji Sheng. I think those are the only ones that we've learned so far about calming restless fetus, but we will learn other herbs with this action of calming restless fetus to prevent miscarriage. And it also promotes lactation, at least according to Bensky, it promotes lactation. So Songji Sheng, besides just strengthening the tendon and bone, it also has uh, an effect of tonifying blood. And we do have some modern research showing that it can lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So if you want to look more into that, um, the Chen and Chen book, Chinese Medical Herbology and Pharmacology, they tend to include some modern research, and you can look at the studies about that in the Chen and Chen book. But maybe what we should know about this is Song Jisheng, it's in this category of tonified liver kidney to strengthen tendon and bone, so we know it's good for strengthening tendon and bone, and then maybe we can point out that it is sweet in flavor because it has this action of tonifying. So it's neutral in temperature and enters the kidney and liver channels because it's strengthening tendon and bone, and it's sweet in flavor because it tonifies. So that is Sangji Sheng, Taxili Herba. Sangji Sheng is mistletoe. It turns out um, the name Sangji Sheng. Sang here actually means mulberry. Like when he talked about Sangjur is mulberry twig. Sangji Sheng is mulberry parasite. So it turns out that mistletoe, the stuff that you hang up in Christmas and you kiss people under, is actually a parasitic plant. Um, it's, it's a parasite. It's a vine that grows on this planet and actually sucks the nutrients out of the plant. So Song Yusheng is mistletoe, or it's a parasitic plant that grows on old mulberry trees. So that's something fun to think about during Christmas time when you talk about the mistletoe. We're really talking about a parasite. So that is Song Jisheng.
mistletoe, or mulberry parasite. And our last one is Wu Jia Pi Acanthopanacus cortex. Wu Jia Pi Acanthopanacus cortex. So Wu Jia Pi, again, strengthens tendon and bone. So we only learned two herbs in this category herbs that tonify liver and kidney to strengthen tendon and bone. Wu Jia Pi, we could say it's specifically good for children with motor development delays or for elderly patients with weak tendon and bone. So again, so we say it's especially good for five delay syndrome in children. This is something we talked about in the deficiency heat category. There's this term in Chinese, we can either say five delays or the five limpnesses or five weaknesses. And we're really talking about developmental delays in children, usually due to either parasites or malnutrition. We have things like Delayed walking, delayed speech, delayed teething, uh, softness or weakness of the of the vertex, like delayed closing of the fontanelles, things like that. We're talking about developmental delays in children, and so here we'd specifically be talking about motor development delays. That Wu Jia Pi can tonify liver, kidney, strengthen tendon and bone in the cases of those uh, children with those delays or for elderly patients that just have weak tendon and bones. Ujapi also promotes urination to treat edema, especially for edema under the skin. Again, pi means peel or bark or cortex. It is the skin of the plant, so it's good for edema under the skin. Or you can think that wujapi uh, sounds like wujapi. So wujapi makes you pee. Um, so yeah, that's all I would say. Uh, so as for the name, Wujapi literally means five additions bark. Wu means five, like the five flavors or the five phases. Ya means plus or addition. We, we actually see that term come up in formulas a lot when you say like, Jia Wei Xiaoyasan, it's Xiaoyasan with some additions. Or Jia Jian Wei Rei Tong, it's Wei Rei Tong with plus or minus. So Jia means plus or addition, Pi means bark. So Wu Jia Pi means five additions bark. What does that mean? I don't know, but sometimes I see Wu, I know it means five, and that makes me think of five delay syndrome. So this is good for tonifying liver kidney to strengthen tendon and bone, especially in children with five delay syndrome. So that's actually our last herb for herbs that dispel wind dampness, herbs that treat bee syndrome. So um, like I said, there's not a whole lot of formulas that have these herbs that basically there's not a lot of formulas that treat bee syndrome and not a lot of these herbs come up. But I feel like we're at a point where we can start reviewing some of our other herbs. So maybe we can just quickly uh, take a look at some formulas and see how some of these herbs work together. So one we have is Qiang Huo Sheng Shi Tang, Nototerygium decoction to overcome dampness. Qiang Huo Sheng Shi Tang. So we see this is for B syndrome, where we have a lot of dampness. Remember, if you see Qiang Huo, think dampness. So heavy, painful head, body heaviness, back pain or generalized pain, stiff neck, difficulty rotating or bending the trunk. Remember we said like inhibited bending and flexing of the joints. And so this is due to dampness. So when you look at this, um, 
It turns out we have two herbs together, qiang huo plus du huo together. Again, we sometimes we use this combination and we call it our huo, the two huos. So in terms of single herbs, we say qiang huo is better for the upper body, du huo is better for the lower body, or we can use them together to treat pain all over. So that's what we're doing, especially for dampness. So we see qiang huo, think either a wind cold attack with signs of dampness or think of wind cold dampness, uh, body heaviness and, and pain. You can see there are some other herbs that we learned in here. Remember, uh, Gao Ben is also in the warm, acrid, release, the exterior category. Gao Ben is one that's special because it enters the Du channel. So Gao Ben, we said it's good for vertex headache and it's good for low back pain due to uh, external factors. So Gao Ben is one that we've learned before and here we see it show up in this formula. Fong Fong is another one that we learned in the... Um, Warm acid release the exterior. Fang Fang means uh, protect against wind or guard against wind. And so it's good for all the types of wind, internal wind, external wind, wind heat, wind cold, and wind dampness. So here we have it for wind dampness. Uh, Chuan Chong is one that we'll learn later. Chuan, Chuan Chong invigorates blood. So sometimes we want to, that's something we can use when we treat B syndrome is besides dispelling wind dampness or blocking the channel, we may want to invigorate blood. But also Chuan Chong is very good for headaches. So we see um, heavy, painful head could be we're just using a Chuan Chong for headache. But anyway, this is an example of a formula that treats B syndrome. And here we, we're using Chang Huo and Du Huo together to treat B syndrome all over. Another one we have is Juan B Tong, remove painful obstruction decoction. So if you got B, maybe you should try the formula, remove B decoction. But really, this is for uh, B syndrome when damp with some underlying qi and blood deficiency. So that's why we have some other herbs in here that are good for tonifying qi and blood. But again, it turns out we actually don't use any herbs. Like remove B decoction doesn't use any herbs from our category herbs that dispel wind dampness. We just use chang huo. But again, fang feng is there some other blood invigorators there, then we're tonifying qi and blood as well. But anyway, this is another example of we're using huo to treat B syndrome. And notice here we say sensation of heaviness in the body, stiff neck, shoulder, and upper back. And so this is more for symptoms in the upper body. That's why we're using huo for B syndrome in the upper body. Probably our most famous formula for um, B syndrome is Du Huo Ji Shang Tong, pubescent angelica and taxless decoction. Du Huo Ji Shang Tong. So Du Huo Ji Shang Tong, the two main herbs are Du Huo and Sang Ji Sheng. So Du Huo means Du Huo, Ji Sheng means Sang Ji Sheng. And so this is for B syndrome with liver and kidney deficiency. So we have Heavy and painful in the lower back and lower extremities. Again, this is duho, so it's more like low back and low extremities. Weakness and stiffness. So that's why we're using like Sangji Shang to tonify because we have this weakness. Um, hypertonicity or immobility. Um, aversion to cold, desire for warmth. Yeah, some other signs of deficiency, maybe paresthesias and numbness. Uh, so you can see here that we are using some, some of our herbs here, Du Huo to dispel wind dampness, Sangji Sheng to strengthen tendon and bone, 
Qingjiao is there. That again, it, it kind of does both. It dispels wind dampness. It also unblocks the channels where we're talking about paresthesia, numbness, and weakness. So it can unblock the channels and relax the sinews. Remember, Qingjiao is the one that we also said it's not as drying as the other one. So when we're trying to tonify liver and kidney, we probably don't want to dry the person out. So we're using a less drying herb there. But then we have a whole bunch of other herbs. Remember, Xixin, we learned in the warm acrid release the exterior category. Xixin means thin acrid. Um, it releases the exterior, it warms the interior, but we said especially for pain due to cold. So Xixin makes sense that we're using that here. Uh, du Zhong is, a very, um, is another important one for strengthening. This is very good for strengthening the low back. So Du Zhong is in the Tanafai Yang category, but it also strengthens tendon and bone, especially in the low back. If you see Du Zhong, it's actually like a rubber plant. And so it's, you can stretch it out and it looks like tendons. Huan Yo Shi means ox knees. So it tonifies liver and kidney yin to strengthen tendon and bone, especially for the knees. Nyo Shi will make your knees as strong as an ox. And we have some other warming and tonifying herbs. So those are kind of our main formulas for treating B syndrome. And like we said, we didn't ever see Song Zhu in there or Shi Xian Sao or some other ones. So, but those are some formulas. So if we wanted to review, the slide is really small, so maybe go download it from the website. But uh, Du Huo, Angelica pubicentis radix. Du Huo dispels wind dampness to treat B syndrome, especially for B syndrome in the lower body. When we say lower body, we mean low back, knees, and legs. So Du Huo, Chang Huo is for the upper body. Du Huo is for the lower body. Wei Ling Xian, awesome spirit immortal. Wei Ling Xian is very good for dispelling wind dampness, very good for pain. This is the one you can grind it into a powder, drink it with alcohol, and it will make your pain go away. Hai Tong Pi, erythrinae cortex, dispels wind damp. Uh, this is the one that it kills parasites. For dampness, oh, that's that's not very descriptive. Uh, uh, also, uh, treat some itching. High tong pee makes you pee. I think this is one we could use for both hot and cold types because of its temperature. Hugu is tiger bone. We don't use it anymore, but if you want to strengthen your bones, they used to use tiger bone back in the day. Make you strong, make your bones as strong as a tiger's. Mugua is Chinese quince fruit. Mugua relaxes the sinews, relaxes the tendons, so it's good for spasm, cramping, think like TMJ, cramping of the masseter muscle, cramping of the calves. It's also good for transforming dampness in the middle jaw, so vomiting and diarrhea. Put the two together, turns out it's good for abdominal cramps when you've been vomiting. So if you vomit so much, your abdomen starts cramping, Get some mugua. Sancha, very similar. Uh, Sancha also has these actions of relaxing the uh, muscles. It transforms into jiao dampness, uh, but it's also good for itchiness, skin rashes. Qingjiao, gentinae macrophylla erratix. Qingjiao, this is the one that the Latin name reminds me of Long Dan Sao. So this one is cold in temperature. So it's good for hot bee. It also clears deficiency heat. It also treats damp heat jaundice. Sangzhi is mulberry twig. You can think that the branches of a tree are like the arms of your body. So Sangzhi is especially good for the upper extremities. And this is another one that we could use for um, uh, maybe some numbness and tingling after a stroke. 
Shishian Sao. To me, it sounds like Shakut Sao. So again, it's cold in temperature. It's good for subduing liver yang rising. It's good for treating high blood pressure. Um, and it's also, again, by unblocking the channels, it's good for post-stroke conditions, weakness, numbness, atrophy. Bai Hua Shi is a snake. It strongly unblocks the channels. Think about a snake burrowing through your channels, seeking out the wind. Sang Ji Sheng tonifies liver and kidney yin to strengthen tendon and bone. And maybe another important feature here is the calm restless fetus. Sometimes people like to ask a lot about which are the herbs that calm restless fetus. So Sang Ji Sheng, but besides strengthening tendon and bone, it also tonifies blood. And one of the things we said about that is it calms restless fetus to prevent miscarriage. Wu Jia Pi is another strengthened tendon and bone. Wu Jia Pi, uh, five additions bark. You can maybe think of five delay uh, syndrome in children. So it's especially good when there's some motor development problems in children, or we just need to strengthen the tendon and bones in elderly people. Also makes you pee. Wu Jia Pi makes you pee. So that is all for our category herbs that dispel wind dampness or herbs that treat bee syndrome. Again, if you want to download these slides, they're available at tcmstudy.net under the Herbology 2 tab. There you can also download some flashcards that you can print out on 4x6 cards. There is also a practice test you can take. So those are up on the website at tcmstudy.net under the Herbology 2 category. As always, thank you to the Patreon members for supporting this uh, channel, this website. These videos are made possible thanks to, you, thanks to the support of viewers like you. So if you want to contribute to the Patreon, there are links in the description below of ways you can support the channel. You can join the Patreon, that's like a monthly subscription, or you can make a donation on Buy Me A Coffee, or you can, um, there are some other products you can buy down there. When we went through this category, we were kind of going through this in depth. We spent like an hour and a half talking about herbs that dispel wind dampness. So if you're, if this is your first time going through the herbs, this could be good. If you're trying to review for year ends or you're trying to re review for boards, this was maybe a little bit too in depth. So if you want more of a quick overview of all the herbs, there's a course linked below the single herb review course that is on Teachable for I think $39 and that goes through all the herbs, but it goes through them a little bit more quickly. That's more meant as an overall review. But uh, we'll be doing these in-depth uh, lectures uh, here on the channel. So next time, I think we get into the herbs that uh, transform phlegm and stop cough. So that's what we're going to be doing next time is herbs that transform phlegm and stop cough. Also, what I've started doing is... Um, if you don't want to watch the video, if you just want to listen, I started extracting the audio from the videos, and they're also now available in podcast form. So if you're oot in a boot and you just want to listen to this and not have to see my face, you can also uh, download this on podcast form, or it's available on the website. So that is it for this time. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next time.